Welcome to the AWPT Podcast, a safe space for personal trainers and coaches who want to learn, grow, and feel heard in the fitness industry. Each week, we'll bring you industry-relevant discussions on all things coaching, mindset, and professional development, empowering you with the tools to be a competent and confident coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the AWPT podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and having us in your ears again this week. Today, I am joined by the amazing Olivia, and we're going to be talking about all things vulnerability and authenticity online and why that is so important for creating a connection with your audience and with your clients. But before we get into that topic, I would love Olivia to introduce herself, tell us a little bit about herself her journey with fitness coaching and all of that good stuff hello thank you. thank you so much for having me um very excited to be here we were just talking before we hit record and we've been following each other for years and it's just like we've been like sideline supporters so to actually have a chat is so exciting oh. um but if, for those of you that don't know me my name is olivia rose um i'm 24 and i have been in the online coaching space for i'd say about three, nearly four years now. COVID really messes with the timelines, but <laughs> I've been in the online coaching space and personal training space for about four years. Um, and I've grown and evolved in that space. I've done personal training face-to-face. -face, I've done online. I've, um, I have a degree in counseling, so I've also done a bit of that. Um, but I've also like worked external jobs and I've done disability and I've done hospitality. I've always been one to have my like hands in many different baskets all at the same time. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much me at the moment. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. And how, so you've been in the online coaching space for upwards of three or four years. I think I probably started following you. I want to say it would have been late 2020. 2020 2019 or start of 2020 is probably when I started following you and yeah I, I remember saying to Olivia I probably started following you as you were like making the road trip up to the Gold Coast I think is how yeah. I found you um but have you always been into fitness and how did that sort of come about were you sporty when you were younger yeah, so when I was younger, I was a big netballer and I was also a cricketer because my dad was president of the cricket club. So I was a little ah. bit like, Saturday mornings, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to play cricket with the boys. And then dad would call and he'd be like, I'm coming home to get you. We need someone else on the team. <laughs> but like, as much as I hated it, I actually got a hat trick and got three young boys out when I was like, 16 and all of them came off dragging their bats and I was like <laughs> love it um so yeah I've always been in the sport industry and like it's funny because what actually stemmed my health and fitness journey and I remember this so precisely like I got really skinny um and really starved myself probably at the age of like 13, 14, but I remember distinctly, I was in the car with mum. Like I remember what roundabout I was at. I remember exact locations. And I said to mum, I was like, but like, what do I do to get my thighs smaller? Like, I hate my thighs. Like I'm so insecure. Mum was like, well, stop exercising. I was like, oh, but I love exercising. And she was like, yeah, but your muscles are growing. And I just, at that time, I didn't know the difference between muscle, fat, what like, why I had more size, what made me grow more muscle. But yeah, I just remember that conversation so precisely. And I think from there, I kind of just tried to have a bit more of a neutral understanding and really 
embrace my thighs because there was a girl at school and everyone was like, oh, her name was Monique. And they're like, Monique has the best thighs. And I was like, I have big thighs, so I'm going to be popular. Yes. (laughs) So does that make you train more or less? It made me train more. I was just like, I'm going to run. I'm going to ride the exercise bike. Like now that I look back on it, yes, I think I definitely had a bit of a toxic relationship. I would like, um, like I lived in a country town and like I'd run on the open road and like run into town, run around, like then I'd come home and be on the bike. And even like the whole entire town were like, oh, there's that fit girl again, because I was just always seen exercising. Yeah. So I think like Forrest Gump kind of vibes, (laughs) (laughs) but he's like running around the town. It's like when I was going somewhere, I was running. (laughs) They would be like, I'd get honks occasionally and they'd be like, keep going. And I was like, this is a community vibe. It's like having an identity like that made me feel like kind of connected and like that I belonged. Like I was just the fitness girl in my country town. Yeah. Do you think that like that conversation with your mum when she was saying that when you were sort of talking about your thighs and, and framing it in a, in a negative sense initially being like, oh, I, they're, they're getting too big. Da, 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 and she was saying and framing it that no, your muscles are just growing. Was that in the sense of, you know, it's a great thing. Your muscles are growing. You're getting strong. Like if you if you stop exercising, then yes, they'll get smaller. But but then they're not necessarily growing in muscle and that sent you down the the fitness route versus sort of suggesting oh actually stop exercising altogether and then stay skinny yeah yeah I definitely think how my mom approached it like I think she handled it really well because she could have just like pulled the pin and been like well just don't exercise then just don't like she was a bit cold-hearted with it she was because she had hips and she had thighs so I think she was a bit like offended as if I was like dragging down any woman with big Mm -hmm. thighs big hips but then at the time oh I was probably that's probably going back 2012 how old Mm -hmm. am I 2012 to 2014 ish at the time it was all about being skinny being thin. like having hips and ass and legs was never a thing back then yeah yeah and I don't say that's like what the past like three, four years that it's become a very big like hips, bum, thighs sort of is the yeah. It's definitely been like the, I think the Kim Kardashian trend yeah. of her bringing in the sort of, the, or bringing back, I should say, the hourglass sort of figure or ideal because it, you know, it used to be the ideal of beauty back in sort of the 50s with people like Marilyn Monroe and then before that as well. Like it's just one of those things that everything and beauty trends always come and go in different waves. But yeah, I completely remember sort of two, I mean, obviously early 2000s and 90s, the trend was, you know, that sort of super thin sort of heroin chic, I say in sort of quotation marks sort of style. And then um, it's, it's, yeah, it was crazy because even I was watching, um, I think it was a TikTok, but it was obviously, it was Bring It On with Hayden Panature, like that one, Bring It On All or Nothing. And they were talking about one of the other cheerleaders and having this whole conversation about, oh, you have to kick her off the cheer squad because you can't have a fat cheerleader. And she was like, I don't know, maybe a size eight or 10. And it's just one of those things that those kind of comments were shown to us at such a young age. And we grew up on that kind of messaging that it's no wonder so many people felt that way and that that gets bred into our way of thinking about our own bodies. But then now, as you said, it's more... Um, I suppose idealized to have that more curvy 
shape and that's bred into our ideology with things like you know keeping up with the kardashians and and the imagery that we see online and on instagram and tiktok so it's one of those things that's 100 ever changing yeah and it even like blew my mind i posted something about like um jeans or shorts or how like you know denim we always dread summer because we've got to find shorts that fit or we dread winter because we've got to find jeans that fit but yeah. like you could be a size 10 in one brand. You could be a size 16 in another. Mm. And like, I think I nearly got caught up in the shame of like being a size 16 in some jeans. Yeah. But then with that online, it was crazy how many women were like, thank you for normalizing a normal size. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought twice. I don't think twice about sharing my size online. Like yeah. I'm up to 14 and it doesn't, doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change my DNA. It doesn't change like anything about me it is literally just a piece of clothing and it's that saying of like what is it where it's like the clothes are made to fit you you're not made to fit the clothes yeah a hundred percent and as you as you're saying it's so crazy that all of these different clothes that are essentially the same size in terms of measurements have different numbers so if you place a value on the number then you're screwed because you're going to be a size, you know, eight in one and a size 12 in a different. So if you're only happy when you're a size eight, well, then you're going to be upset half the time anyway. Um, And as you said too, like in relation to that conversation with your mum and and the thighs, you know, having, getting bigger in some areas, if you're putting um, weight on the scale, as in like the number on the scale is going up and all of your value is placed in that number on the scale and you're exercising more and you're putting on muscle and then that number is going up, but you, you know, think so poorly about that number. And if it's going up, then that affects your, you know, your mental health and your well-being and all of that kind of stuff, then, then you're screwed. Because as you said, if you put on muscle and you're trying to be healthy and you're trying to be fit and you're trying to get those healthy habits, and then that affects the number on the scale, then it's like, you you actually can't win. (laughs) Yeah. And I would confidently say like anyone that is going to dictate their like results and their progress on a number on the scales you are always going to have like the binge restrict like go hard or go home mentality because you're basing it around something that is just not reliable at all like photos are reliable measurements are reliable like I didn't see two centimeters come off your waist like that is so much more beneficial than knowing the stupid number on the scales because I was sitting at work a few weeks ago and a couple of girlfriends and I like mentioned our weight and I don't even know how we go into the topic of it. They were both talking about wanting to lose weight, rah, rah, rah. And I was like, oh yeah, like I'm, I think I'm sitting at like 86 and they're like, no way, like you're fit and healthy. And I was like, since when did, when did fit and healthy get defined as you need to be under like 70 yeah. or something? Like it's bullshit. A hundred percent. And that number as well looks so different on so many different type of people. Again, I remember being in a conversation with girls that I did the mentorship back when we were up in the Gold Coast for a workshop. And again, I don't know how we got onto the topic of weight. I think it was in relation to this exact conversation. And it all worked out that the four of us were more or less the exact same weight. Mm-hmm. But we all had completely different body types. We were all, you know, different heights in general as well. You know, the way that the the weight or the muscular definitions sit on us individually all looked different. And yet we were all more or less the exact same weight on the scale. And so, again, it was just such a good reminder that it literally means nothing in the grand scheme of things. And it's all relative to you, what you feel comfortable sort of, sitting at roughly as well and also just not putting quite as much 
value on the number on the scale and and more coming and checking in with yourself as to how you feel what are the other health markers that you're sitting out in relation to you know fitness levels but also actual sort of blood levels in relation to health and all of that kind of stuff so yeah, yeah it's just it's crazy so your sort of background in sporting but then in um you know, getting into the the fitness side of things with the exercise, did you know that you wanted to be a coach or did you decide to be a coach straight out of high school? How did that sort of journey go for you? I feel like, so straight out of high school, I jumped into a hospitality traineeship and I had gotten into exercise physiology at Deakin in Geelong, but I'd, um, what's it called? Were you like, right. yeah, you defer. So I deferred for a year, but like again, back when I was at school and I don't even know what it's like now, but the careers advisor is just like, you need to get a uni degree to be successful. What are we going to apply for? Like you yeah. all have that meeting in year 12 and you're like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, again, in year 12, you haven't experienced half the world. So you don't even know what you do and don't like, but I deferred that I was working in a traineeship and I just knew like, I don't know. I have such a sense of knowing that I was put on here to speak up for the females and speak up for those that have these thoughts, but they're too scared to say it. Like whether it's the inner critic and they're too scared to say that, oh, I criticize myself for big thighs. I'm confident enough to speak up and be like, well, it's okay because it's just a bit hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, yeah, that sense of knowing has always been with me. And from that conversation with my mum in the car at such a young age, I was like, I want to work in the fitness industry and encourage normal bodies. Like I want to encourage like strong bodies. I want to encourage if you're skinny, like a skinny, strong body. Like I just want to encourage everyone and everything because I actually remember also having a conversation with a girl I went to school with. Bailey is just uh, saying, Hey, <laughs> um, sit. I remember having a conversation with a girl I went to school with and she is super, super skinny, but she is healthy, but Mm. she would hate because she'd get the opposite end of it. And they'd be like, oh, you're anorexic because you're so skinny. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, it just all comes back to, I just want to be a voice for the people that were afraid to speak up and speak about the thoughts because you would agree being a personal trainer yourself, you're nearly a counselor in personal training. It's like, (laughs) You connect on a whole new level and they get to know your personal life. You get to know their personal life and you check in so much more with them. And at the end of the day, when I was running my PT business, people would come to me being like, I need to decide on this. What do I do? And I'd give them life advice on that. But I loved it because I just knew I was helping someone gain more clarity and sense of direction. Mm A hundred percent. No, it's so funny that you say that. I was literally having that conversation with my client this morning in a PT session about, she was like, you're my, in my top three favorites on my like phone texting thing. It's like her husband, me and her mom. Yes, (laughs) made it. I know, I know. Um, And yeah, you're so right that even in, you know, the, the certifications and like the cert three and four that you do to become a personal trainer or a coach, there really isn't a lot of that sort of counseling style stuff. I don't have a counseling certificate, but it's definitely in my like four years of being a coach, it's made me think I should probably do this because I have clients come to me um, and sort of leave me with some really heavy stuff. And I'm like, 
I need to be better equipped at actually taking this on because I, I love the fact that they can trust me and they and they feel comfortable enough that I'm the person that they go to with that information. But it's like I want to be equipped to actually handle it. Yeah, and I think it's actually like I would definitely say, in and you can agree or disagree with this, but the top two reasons people um, don't make it in the personal training industry is either A, it's really hard, like, and an inconsistent income, like yeah. you'll go really well and then you won't and you need to be good with your money and savings and have multiple streams of income. But then the yeah. second thing is they're so sick of everyone emotionally dumping on them. They don't have the patience and the understanding and it mentally taxing, like it is mentally oh, yeah. taxing if you've got your own shit, you walk in, someone dumps their shit on you. You've got six more people that do it. And then you're like, hang on, what? Like, yeah. I can't even think or feel because like, you've just dumped everything on me. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And you really have to develop, you know, a certain emotional intelligence, but also an emotional resilience with those sort of boundary settings or really think about how your, your day's structured especially when you've got something like in-person PT when you've got sort of several back-to-back sessions in the morning and say I remember I had a day a couple of weeks ago where I had like four back-to-back sessions and every single client was in a mood that day mm-hmm. so I was like okay it's just one of those days today and so yeah you then have to have like the emotional awareness and the self-awareness to be like okay once that's done I'm having my own time and space in the middle of the day to just like ooze out other people's energy because it can be really hard especially when you are an empathetic person and I think most trainers are which is why they get into the space because they want to help people mm-hmm. then not take on other people's problems as your as your own um but still want to be empathetic enough to care it's finding that balance yeah and finding that balance is so difficult and I don't think like you'd again you'd agree with me here the personal training course actually teaches you nothing about being on the floor and being a personal trainer like they need to actually have like modules modules is that what they yeah Yeah. they have modules in there being like how to handle like emotions with your client how to best approach when um your client comes in and emotionally dumps on you like I actually think that needs to be taught in there because you need to be more prepared for that than you do need to be prepared for like a session and actually like dealing with someone's mental health is more important than dealing with someone's actual physical abilities yeah exactly especially in relation to health because a person's mental well-being is going to have such an impact on the way that they like show up to a session and if they're coming to your session and they're like on the verge of tears there's no point really putting them you know through this grueling workout if they're not going to you know do it properly because their mind is completely somewhere else you're almost better off either scrapping the session altogether and going for a walk with them um, Mm -hmm. or you know tailoring back the session so that you can talk through the movements and all of that kind of stuff but then also on the other end depending on the client sometimes they might come to you and just want an absolute switch off from you know their emotional toil so they might want to just just work out and not think about anything else so it's having the awareness um and yeah emotional intelligence to to switch between those two approaches to know that those two approaches exist and how to sort of work with that with your individual client because each one is going to be different and is going to be different from a day-to-day kind of level and it's just yeah there's so much that you don't get taught in that 
certificate and yeah and big part of what we do yeah and I feel like at the start anyone that's like starting their personal training business they take on anyone they can get they're not super picky you can't actually financially afford to set a ton of boundaries and be like I'm not gonna take someone that makes me feel like emotionally drained like at the start you just want to build your client base yeah so it's being resilient enough to stick through that period where you know you've got to take on clients that may not necessarily be super aligned and being like, I just need to learn like how to set boundaries. Like I need to learn how to like switch off and not absorb everything. But I think amazing coaches and leaders in the industry know how to not be a sponge for everyone else's emotions. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so, cause you do quite a lot of work. You obviously said that you have your, your counseling degree. How did that come about in the journey you you started with the personal training and the online stuff first and then you brought the counseling the mindset coaching in after that is that right yeah yeah so um I would definitely find I was doing one-on-one calls in my online so I kind of transitioned from face-to-face to to online to then moving into the counseling but I found with the one-on-one calls I was having in my coaching it was it was never about the fitness and the health yeah always about the mindset, the mental health. And I was like, there is again, such a gap in the market for online counselors because yes, psychologists and counselors are two completely different degrees. And I think like psychology, they say like they can give you more strategies and everything counseling, they more hear and understand you. And that's what I am there for. I'm there to listen and understand, but I just found out of an hour long call, 50 minutes would be dedicated towards someone's mindset and mental health. And I just knew I wanted to help more people in that sense and give them more guidance and know what to say. Um, Because yeah, I even had teary phone calls or people that they came into the personal training space wanting um, help with their mental health, but they kind of used the PT to kind of as a way to get in. Yeah, makes sense. And then just like all the bricks came down, it was just emotional overload. Like this person needs help, and they don't need the physical like health aspect. They need the mental health. So that just led me moving into the counselling, and I loved doing the counselling side of things, and I want to do it again. But I knew in myself my mindset wasn't right, and it wasn't in a good enough space and environment to be taking on other people's emotions. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I think that's something that we're going to talk about today as well um, in relation to, yeah, how you've been so open and vulnerable about like your own journey with mental health and, and just your, your own journey in general um, in life. And so when it came to building your online platforms, did you, you know, have a goal of how you wanted it to grow or did it start just with you sort of like documenting your own progress did you did you go into social media with this idea that okay I'm just gonna like lay everything out did you start a little bit more reserved and then that transitioned over time yeah I think that at the start I was I always knew I was different like again, that sense of knowing, I knew I was different. I knew I was meant to be outspoken and I never really got along with the girls in my hometown. So Mm -hmm. I created this space online. I'd go in there and talk about all my problems. And there is a fine line between oversharing, et cetera, but I I was definitely an oversharer, but I think that connection is what made people like want to hang around me, wanted to be on my page. People would come to me for life advice and I energetically could give it to them. So I would. And I'm so glad I started it in a time when I needed someone and 
what I got from that is so many friendships, so many connections. And this is long-term, like everyone that's been on my account, they've been there since the start when I was personal training and they've been there since I spoke about like going through what I went through, like the emotional side, I battled with my mental health and I put it all online. And a really big stigma I hate is when people say, if you put your problems online, they're not real. Flat Mm -hmm. out. I don't believe it. And that's why I think people are so afraid to open up and overshare because people out there are like, you're just dumping or it's not real. You're trying to get attention. Maybe someone is just trying to make someone else behind the screen feel a little less alone in what they're going through, but yeah. you're sitting there just criticizing them for what they're doing because you're not strong enough or brave enough to do it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And as you said too, like half the time, like, yes, you're, you're helping other people by put by you know, talking about your own experiences and they can feel heard in that as well and seen in that. But as you said too, sometimes people are putting it out there because it's a way of sort of not a cry for help, but it's a way of sort of announcing I'm going through something. And, you know, if other people don't know, then they can't reach out and help you as well. So, you know, putting it out there is a way for other people to then connect on both sides of the screen as well. Yeah. And I, my mum actually, I don't have any relationship with my family anymore, but um, at the start when I started going through everything and like going through this maturing and mental health stage, my mum booked me a ticket to go and see the Resilience Project with Hugh Van Collenberg. Do you know who he is? Yeah. 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 Have you ever been to the talk? I haven't. No. Was it good? I've been twice now. Like I took myself when I was like 20 and I went when I was 16 or 17 or something. And one thing that stuck with me from that is just vulnerability is such an opportunity and such a gate for connection. And we all forget like we're all here for the same reason and we're all meant to be connected and work together, but we get separated along the way. But vulnerability is the most powerful tool you can have. And Hugh has built an amazing business structure and an amazing program off that one thing. And I just respect him so much for that. And he was the one that just made me go like, you know what, if I get judged by one girl, but five people feel more pulled towards me, I'm yeah. already winning. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think as you said, like vulnerability and being open, especially on social media can be really scary because there's always going to be you know like a handful of people that are going to have something to say about it and you know in some ways I'd probably prefer them to have something to say about it not in my comment section like they can talk about it in their own time and ignorance is bliss um but then you know with the way that social media is especially things like TikTok like people are always (laughs) going to feel like they owe you their opinion um and you know, that can obviously be tricky as well, especially when you are being vulnerable. And so the emotions and the feelings and the experiences are probably quite raw mm-hmm. Then have or be concerned about other people, you know, making that worse or feeling like they have something, you know, worthwhile saying or leaving horrible messages. That can be really tricky as well. But as you said, like if you know, that's in the minority, but you know that there are so many more people that are able to connect with you on a deeper level as well, especially as a coach, but obviously as a human as well. I think, you know, vulnerability not only breeds connection, but it breeds a 
deeper level of trust, which I think clients and followers also need to then, you know, purchase from you in the future or, you know, just have that deeper sort of like no trust kind of structure um, from a business perspective as well. Yeah. And then also on top of that, like, yes, there's haters out there and some are more vocal than others, but you need to be strong enough and strong-minded enough that you know and you understand that someone having their opinion of you or someone trying to criticize and bring you down, you look at what they're doing in life and you think, damn, you must be jealous. Or it's also pretty pathetic that you're giving so much of your energy and time to judging me while I'm moving further forward in my career and in everything I'm doing and you're remaining the same. Yeah. It's like how pathetic. Yeah. I've gotten to the point that I'm just so easy breezy with it. I'm just like, oh, look at your life. Like, yeah, affect me whatsoever. Exactly. I also think too, when it comes to sort of the online hate kind of style stuff, the people that are leaving it are never really the people that you're trying to talk to anyway. Like if I look at some of my own TikTok stuff, like the the things that I post are for like for the gym girlies and like for my audience and for the people that I wanting to connect to. And the only people, literally the only people that leave negative comments are like random American middle-aged men. And so I'm like, so I'm like. Your TikTok for me is like watching like Love Island or something. I hear about your dating life and I'm just like, this is great. My imaginary dating life. Like I'm manifesting a man. Yeah. Wanting next to me. I see it. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, and then the only men I end up manifesting is the middle-aged American ones that are like, you slut. (laughs) We talk about the wrong side of TikTok. Like when it comes to social media, Instagram, people are very like, like the hate is very, very minimal. People will watch, but they won't say anything. TikTok, they will say whatever they want to say on your content, no matter what. And I think definitely when you're getting into the online coaching space, you need to have that understanding that it's just going to happen. But there is a thing called block and delete for a reason. I am the queen of pressing block and delete. Like someone criticizes or says something I don't agree with. I just go one, two, done. It's gone. Yeah. And like, that was something we talked, I talked about with uh, Kayla and someone else on the podcast on a couple of different episodes, but it's, yeah, definitely something that you have to sadly get used to, especially in relation to TikTok. Cause as you said, like, I feel like that is where a huge amount of just like the bizarre nastiness is. Cause I think with Instagram people follow people and that's why they're seeing their content. Obviously with reels, it's a little bit different, but for the most part, the way that you use Instagram is you follow people because you want to see their content. And of course, like some people hate follow, but you know, disregarding that. Whereas with TikTok, because most of the stuff is coming through the for you page, you're seeing people that you don't know and whatnot just because of the algorithm. Um, and so, yeah, if you don't like people's content, some people feel the need to tell you that, that they don't like it or to leave their opinion. Um, Do you think like we would never, I would never go write on someone's content, like something dragging them down. I wouldn't have the guts. No, neither. Especially because then like when I'm getting hate comments, I always, I'll click on their profile to like see who they are, what they're doing. And like, it's just the most, is that exactly like, I wouldn't have the guts to do that. Um, but, but most of them are, they're like, they don't even have a username. It's like user 864923 commenting. Yeah. It's like, oh, slut. And then you look into it and they're like, 
what (laughs) yeah exactly no and like in terms of the whole block and delete thing that was something I had to learn too because at first I thought oh maybe I should just like leave it up because I suppose they're like entitled to their own opinion or like oh it's gonna boost engagement on the post so then it'll get more views but I was like you know what no this is my page like people don't come into my apartment and shit on the floor like it's my comment section like I have the right to delete the stuff that makes me feel like shit Mm -hmm. so like see ya (laughs) I don't have to leave it up and therefore and then yeah blocking so that they don't come back it's like why why are you here you don't have to be but also realizing that you have the agency and the control you know Uh to an extent to actually not stand for it yes and like for people that don't know me as well like I have another side of TikTok which is like side hustles and make making money online and I've had a couple of videos like ones at like 1.9 and like they've all blown up but there are people that just come through and they're like fake fake and I'm like do you want to see like my everyday life like I don't need to prove myself to you I'm just like leave and give your energy to something productive in life and you may be successful yeah or literally just scroll like it takes so much more effort to like click on the video go to the comment section type in your little comment press like press post then click out of the video and then keep scroll- like if you don't like it just it's one little flick of the finger to just move on <laughs> yep i'll start a program that's like how to strengthen your finger for flicking yeah. you don't give a damn about like just do it i again just stop giving your energy to things that like it just doesn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. But then, as you said, like that is definitely in the minority. And if you were to fully give into, you know, certain negative comments, then you wouldn't be impacting the amount of people that you're impacting today. So, you know, it's so, I think, important to have those strategies when it comes to dealing with hate so that you don't completely back away from either what you enjoy doing, what you're passionate about, the difference that you know that you're making and the connection that you're trying to build with the actual people that you're trying to build it with as well. And that's where the vulnerability piece, you know, really shines through because that is what people stick around for like yes of course there are some people that like hate follow or just get a rise out of being negative but I think you know the majority of people that like leave that hate comment if they're blocked they can't get back on anyway so then the majority of the people seeing your content are the people that are going to connect with it yeah and you even think back to like when we were in our early teens, like 10, 11, 12, like when like eating disorders were massive and the health and fitness industry was again, that skinny, like just mm-hmm. think would like younger me benefit from having this kind of content? 110%. Like if I hadn't had the things normalized that I was most worried about at that age, things would have been really, really different. And I think like the whole, like all the eating disorder side of things and overtraining, like, I think that would have also been completely different because if you come on sharing the same thoughts, it builds a community and it just, it builds something so much greater and people realize sooner, like, oh, like, okay, this is a toxic mindset. Oh, okay. Someone else feels the same way as me. And like, you can make make friends with a complete stranger on the internet from the other side of the world, or you're connecting over something that someone else is too afraid to pull on the internet. A hundred percent. And as you said at the beginning too, so much of coaching is that sort of connection piece and is that mindset piece. And so if people don't, you know, 
have a certain understanding of your life, what your experiences have been like, and don't have that, you know, preconceived connection, they might not actually feel comfortable enough to open up to you in the first place and to have those conversations that are then going to benefit them in the long term through the mindset coaching or through the PT coaching and the conversations that you have there. They might not sign up, you know, with you to begin with if they think that you're completely you know, this unrealistic, unattainable version of health and fitness that they don't feel like they can relate to. Yeah, definitely. And as we were speaking before um, we started, like talking about the whole mindset coaching industry, like the way that's going and it's growing, more people need to jump on and kind of spread that vulnerability is so completely okay. And your problems aren't just like an energetic issue. Like it's not just your limiting beliefs. Like you're allowed to have traumas. You're allowed to have anxiety. If you have depression, like get help for that. Don't just be made to believe that your mental health is your mindset because Mm -hmm. mental health is actually like something so, so serious. And you shouldn't let social media tell you that it isn't. Yeah. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's, as you said, it's not necessarily just an energetic thing or, or a limiting belief thing. Like often it's an actual chemical imbalance that, yeah. right, that you need to get proper medical help for. Yeah. Um, can you give an example, I suppose, of a time when you were vulnerable with your audience and then were rewarded for it? When I, so during 2020 in the middle of COVID, I decided to pack up my bags and move to Queensland, literally like drove up within a week, crossed the border, did all that. And it opened up this whole new chapter of doing things on your own, like becoming like an absolute boss on your own, that knowing and really growing on yourself and sharing that whole side of being freaking petrified of leaving what I knew and going into something completely unknown really grew my community from something else. And it's amazing because I went up there thinking like, yeah, there's all these people online that are vulnerable and they open up so much, but actually meeting a lot of those people, I was like, you aren't what you put online. And it made me feel so good because I knew if someone were to sit down and have a coffee with me, they're going to get the exact same person that I put on Instagram. And that's actually pretty rare. And I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think definitely sharing that journey rewarded and built my community like no other. No, hundred percent. And as I said, that's, that's exactly when I started following you and here I am three years later, still following So like, as you said, being vulnerable and sharing those sort of experiences that also aren't necessarily related to fitness. Like obviously with the, with the profile, it started off as, as more of a business profile to promote you know your coaching and stuff like that but then being vulnerable about your just general day-to-day life experiences and building you know a personal brand on that page and on that profile it has has clearly worked because yeah. as I said here I am three years later still invested in your journey and in what you have to say and you know we hadn't met or spoken, you know, in person until today. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I know all of these different things about your life and therefore like know the kinds of questions that I can ask and all of that kind of stuff, which, yeah, just goes to show the power of vulnerability in, you know, fostering and then maintaining a connection that you don't even necessarily need to be like messaging to and forth because the other person is still 
keeping up and still cheering you on from the side. Yeah, definitely. And I have like made so many relationships off social media and it's quite funny because I have nearly caught up or like built a relationship with anyone I've ever coached or worked with. Like anyone that's ever been a client of mine, it's, it's given me so much more. And again, I put that down to my vulnerability, but then also empathy. Because again, people just want to be like, they want to be understood. They want to feel validated. They want to feel seen. They want to feel connection and empathy. If you can give someone a little bit of empathy for what they're going through, solid bond like straight away so put vulnerability and empathy together yeah absolutely love you and not in a cocky way but like you you are exactly what they need yeah put those two things forward to them a hundred percent yeah they just it's like the combination for safety um in like in any kind of relationship situation whether it's friendship or whether it's that like client coach um relationship dynamic as well um we touched on it a little bit before but do you think or where would you say that line is between vulnerability and oversharing I think honestly it probably just come down to like family that follow online N- not necessarily my family I don't have a relationship with them but but like my partner's family yeah. obviously like there are things that I would love to connect with women online about but I don't want them knowing that side of me which is really funny like yeah and it is it's such a tedious fine line and I went through something earlier this year and I would love to put it online, but I'm so scared of like them knowing, which is so ridiculous. Like yeah. I'm not saying I don't have a good relationship with them, but I just don't have the will and the desire to put that vulnerability forward to them like I do to friggin' 7,000 people online. Yeah. <laughs> put 7,000 people online. I'm like, mm, yes, I'll tell you about my period. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you about like my teary moment, my anxious day. Like you put me in front of one person and I'm like, no thanks yeah actually I'll keep that one to myself (laughs) yeah yeah 100% and like it's probably a fear or a limiting belief that I need to move through that like it's okay and it just breeds more grounds for connection Mm -hmm. and actually saying connection reminds me of something I'd always um, come back to and always say it's that imperfection breeds connection we -hmm. are all so incredibly imperfect and it breeds such a strong connection if you're vulnerable and you tell people that you're imperfect rather than putting on a facade that you are someone you're not. Yeah. Like, again, we just want to be understood. We want to feel normalized and clients will come to you if you show you are imperfect and you are human. But if you give off this persona that you're perfect, I wouldn't relate to you. So I wouldn't want to come to you whatsoever. I'd be like, well, no, you you act like rainbows, fairies, unicorns, like life is so easy. I want someone that says life is shit and hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. And what would be your advice for the person that feels like they want to open up a little bit more on social media, but is struggling with that piece of, oh, but I don't want to feel judged. I've got like friends from high school following me on this page. So like, I don't want them to think that I'm weird. What What, what would be your advice for that? The people that judge you, it says so much more about them than it does about you. And at the end of the day, you just can't give a damn what other people think. Like, Mm -hmm. you are the one that is building grounds for connection. You are the one that is succeeding. You're opening up a safe space. You are changing the world of connection. And you're just, you are changing the world in general by connecting with other people. And if you're going to let 
one person from high school that doesn't even know your middle name dictate like who you are, what you say online, just don't like, and I know it's easier said than done. And there will come a time where you'll say, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. But you need to work towards that. And eventually it's just like a moment that would click, I would say. Mm -hmm. But once that moment clicks, the power beyond that is insane. And the lives you can change and the connection you can breed is just crazy. Yeah. So I suppose off the back of this podcast for those listening, if you can take one thing away as one actionable step is maybe you've got you know the the rest of the week after listening to this on a Wednesday post one thing on socials that you're you feel comfortable enough to share that maybe isn't necessarily related to you know a program that you're running or something that you're trying to sell like think what's one thing I can share this week that might connect with one of the people that that follow me and just see how you feel after that and see if you get any kind of response from that as well And start with something as simple as um, like post on there, like, okay, I'm having a really bad mental week. My anxiety when I step in the gym is heightened. So I'm swapping my workouts for walks. That shows people that you're not perfect. You don't go to the gym every day and you have the ability to listen to your body and your mind and you swapped it out for something that, yeah, it's not going to get you towards freaking your strength goals, but it's going to benefit your mindset and your mental health. And you're telling people that it's okay to put like take the pressure off themselves like how good because people are too hard on themselves these days a hundred percent or even like another really small one that I always get a really nice response from is when I post about the fact that I'm going out to dinner or like I'm getting takeaway like which is so sad that it's so like some people are so scared to do that or like go out for a drink or the fact that like I have alcohol from time to time and if I post about like going for cocktails people like oh my god like and I'm like, I know how random that I actually eat food <laughs> or like, hello, yeah. here's me eating a carb, like being vulnerable in that sense. But like, it doesn't have to be something super, super crazy deep if you're not comfortable yet, but you can build up to that point by just showing little glimpses of your life and just your day-to-day experiences that you might not even realize, you know, someone behind the screen is watching that and has been restricting themselves from going out to dinner with their partner because they think that they need to be tracking 100% of the time by you sharing, oh, no, I'm going out to dinner with my friends and I'm having dessert afterwards. That breeds connection just as much as, you know, telling someone that, you know, you've been struggling massively with, you know, depression or anxiety. Like it, it all adds up and breeds connection. Yeah. And I have seen it on your page before. You will be vulnerable and you'll open up like, oh, I went out to dinner, blah, blah, blah. blah." But then you educate and support straight Mm -hmm. after that. And you're like, you know, what's not going to happen after that? I'm not going to gain five kilos. Yeah. Gain some water weight. But that is just from eating something different. And you use that vulnerability to educate and support people. You don't just, you don't be vulnerable and then just leave them with their feelings about it. You go, hang on, I've got you. This is xyz yeah a hundred percent and I think that works in all of the different instances like in that example that you were saying about oh um hey guys like I've been struggling a little bit with my anxiety today in the gym so I didn't feel comfortable going to the gym so here is an actionable step that I took in place of that and I went for this walk instead or I'm doing this meditation you know, from Insight Timer that you can then post on, you know, on your story and connect in that sense. And again, that then 
breeds connection with your clients that then if they are experiencing a certain level of anxiety in the gym, they know that you can talk to them about it because you would understand what that's like. And also, you know, potentially how to get through a similar situation or a similar circumstance as well, which breeds an extra layer of um not necessarily, I don't think the word is like not an extra qualification, but, mm-hmm. you know, a sense of sort of security in investing with you as well. Yeah. And it also helps because in the online coaching space, you know, we have online check-in forms, we have like photos and everything, but they may feel like they need to lie and tell you, not tell you about the dinner they had, not tell you that they slipped up, not tell you that they missed four gym sessions. But if you're posting on your Instagram stories that you're an imperfect human, their check-ins are going to get vulnerable as heck and they will make more progress in the long run because they're owning up to what they did rather than feeling like they need to hide and act again, that facade, that mask, they, they're just like, I don't have to be a perfect human because she's not a perfect human. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I think that is a perfect place to leave this episode today. Um, Where can all of our listeners find you? What's the best way for them to connect and follow you in your journey? I would jump on to my Instagram, which is liverose underscore underscore two. Um, And I share, again, just my everyday life, a lot of mental health, a lot of mindset, a lot of struggle. Um, And yeah, I'd come into that safe space. And if you're ever feeling like you need someone to reach out to, my DMs are always open and nothing is too much to come forward with. Perfect. And I will have all of that linked in the show notes down below. So thank you, Liv, so much for coming on the AWPT podcast today. I loved this conversation and I think it was so great for us to be vulnerable on the podcast, talking about vulnerability and the importance of it. Um, So thank you so much for coming on today. I am sure our listeners will absolutely love this episode as much as I did. And I will chat to you all next week in next week's episode. Thank you for listening to the AWPT podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and fellow coaches and subscribe for weekly episodes and content.